Don't do it, people. We're ready. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to, to Can't DC. This is Dana. And this is Sarah. Um, we're really excited to be back in a different pod loft today. We're trying out the acoustics in Sarah's house. I had to go all the way to the suburbs. I'm sorry. It's fine. She bought me a pastry. Well, she I didn't. Did. She took me to a place to buy a pastry. Yeah, Actually, right. she forcibly got made me get her car. Yeah, so I'm borrowing my brother's car. Thanks, Daniel. Um, and I... Did not mean to come across as like a creepy mob boss or she whatever. She did though. Yeah, I was just thinking like, oh, Dana likes pastries. We should go get French pastries off the street. And- but she rolls up. I got to her house a little early. She rolls up in this car, rolls the window down, and goes, "Get in the car." <laughs> For the record, <laughs> I was literally being blinded by the sun and like couldn't. see. It was incredible. And I was like, ah, get in the car. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been funny if it wasn't me? If you like couldn't see and it was just some was random you. other person who then like so really excited. Um. To be spending a Saturday morning with my dear Sarah. Yeah. Um, how was your week? It's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, like, the one thing that is still throwing me is the weather that we're having. It's, like, oscillating between, like, 40 and 70 degrees. It's very it's, like, confusing. really confusing. But, okay, so it's my week to pick a topic. And Yay. I don't know if this is laziness or what it is, but I decided to talk a little bit about what I'm actually kind of a, an expert on um, uh-huh. in my job, which is jobs. Oh, that's a good that's a good one. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people that I've talked to that are our age have had um, or are kind of going through that like quarter life crisis where they're trying to figure out if they're in the right field or like if their job is right or how to switch and like mm-hmm. starting to have those conversations with themselves and it's really stressful um, and. I'm just like nodding constantly. Yeah, as she's talking. agreeing with me. Like, yep, um, yep, yep. Been there, been there. <laughs> yeah, and I am. Um, I've been there myself. Uh, and I, you know, we we always constantly are thinking about our next steps. Um, and so a little bit of background on like why I'm a pseudo expert to be talking about this because uh-huh. I actually didn't prepare any articles. I just used all of my own knowledge and wrote an outline. So uh-huh. like, you guys can believe me or not. That's totally fine. Um, but before my current job, I know you guys know I did direct service. Um. I was actually working for an adult education nonprofit um, that helped people get their GEDs. Right. And I was their job coordinator. So I helped them like connect with job opportunities and um, edited so many fucking resumes and did like cover letters and interview prep and all of those things that you have to do um, for an underserved adult population. And now I'm on the policy side of workforce development. Mm. Well, this is kind of my bread and butter, yeah. and it's something I'm really nerdy about, so I apologize in advance. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I wanted to start with just like a little bit of background, and then you and I can like chat a little bit about sure. our experiences, because mm-hmm. I think we've got experiences that are pretty traditional. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, I think so. Yeah, so I'm going to start with a boring economic overview, and then we'll have one. Love it. Okay, okay, so this is the sober part of the episode. The pre-wine. The sober economic overview. Fact download. Yes. Love if you it. guys don't care about facts, you should still listen because it's important. Okay. <laughs> so yes. we've heard a lot lately about how the economy is rebounding. Mm-hmm. Um, the Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics put out their monthly job report um, last or on Friday, uh, and they indicated that there have been 250,000 new jobs added in the economy in October. 
Um, generally speaking, we've had a consistent upswing in jobs created since like the end of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it has been growing every month, which is great. Um, I mean, there've been a couple that have been a little lower, but that's just because of normal. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that. Um, that means there are about 6 million open jobs right now in the United States Uh and 3.9% unemployment rate. So there's a shit ton of jobs and there are not a lot of people people. that are right. That. That is a little bit misleading. Like, you hear about the unemployment rate, and you're like, oh, my gosh, everyone has a job. And that's just, like, frankly no. not true. Yeah. Well, aren't, isn't there – and you probably can articulate this way better than me, but isn't there, like, a really big discrepancy with the unemployment number because not everybody – because if you're not actively job yes. searching and you don't have a job, you're not considered yes. unemployed because you're not even trying to get a job? Yes. So there's a huge percentage of people who – um, are just not in the labor market. We call uh-huh. those, we say that those people um, are not engaged in the labor market and they um, are not counted in that unemployment number. So those are a lot of your underserved folks, people in rural communities, people of color, uh-huh. all the people who actually need to be connected with these jobs are a lot of them are not being included in those unemployment numbers. Um, it's also, you know, 3.9% unemployment is overall. There's a lot of regions in the country that have a lot higher. Um, there's one community. So I did a presentation on this recently. Um, cause I do a lot of work on like rural job development. Cause like I said, I'm a huge nerd, you guys, what? Um, you? <laughs> <laughs> but there's one community in rural, I think it's rural Alaska that uh-huh. has like 20% unemployment. Jeez. And that's the highest one I found um, for like an actually articulated township um, in the United States. So it's a really disparate issue. Um, and a lot of those open jobs, those 6 million open jobs, like uh-huh. are in something called middle skills careers. So I'm going to get wonky here for just a second. Okay. Um, middle skill careers are somewhere between like you've got your high school diploma uh-huh. and then you've got folks who have graduated with their bachelor's degree. Uh-huh. Middle skills are in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, that makes it. You got like. Does that include like people with some type of certification yes. or training or exactly. associate's degree or exactly? Okay, yep. so um, we consider them people that have what we call a post-secondary degree that is not a bachelor's degree. Okay, um, a lot of times these are in uh, manufacturing, construction, um, some part, some types of healthcare, um, and a lot of these people um, have to do specialized training to get these jobs, and we have not been training people to do that. Right. So the reason why there's so many open jobs and uh, businesses that are actually really investing in the type of work I do is because they're not finding anyone who's trained to do the work that they need. And mm-hmm. a lot of this is because um, during the recession, we stopped training people in a lot of these roles because they just like weren't hiring anybody. So they just stopped pipelining people into some of these training programs. Because, surprise, we never plan ahead. <gasps> Us? Yeah, like right now, the Shocking. federal government is investing a shit ton of money in workforce development programs, but like inevitably, the economy is going to go down again, and then they're going to be yeah. like, why did we put all this money into training programs, which we should put money into training programs, but I'm going down a path that I don't need to go down right I feel now. I like but... it should be static, but okay. Yeah. I'm giving you all this background because we're going to talk a little bit about like what it means for people in our generation to be looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of these training programs, and when I mean training programs, um, a lot of what we talk about, like I said, are apprenticeships, which like... When you hear about apprenticeships, you think of, like, an old-timey shoemaker, you know, or, like, yeah. iron worker who's, like, or, like, um, Will Turner from Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> you know? But, like, there are actually these programs that, like, states and localities are running where you can get an apprenticeship in the finance sector or right. IT, and you can actually go as, like, a youth in high school and start to learn about the different career opportunities that are out there. Apprenticeships have to be paid, which is awesome. Right. Like, 
all of these things. There's something we call work-based learning, which is a little jargony, but it's like when uh, you give people the opportunity to just explore what jobs are out there. In internships count as a type of work-based learning. Apprenticeships okay. are a type of work-based learning. And high schools and uh, community colleges are really embracing this and uh-huh. folding it into their general curriculums. Governors and other leaders have actually been going to Switzerland and Germany to like learn about this and come back. And obviously, it can't be an exact model, but right. we're trying to integrate that more. It's really great for students who are not as into school for school's sake. Like, for mm-hmm. me, I'd be like, why do I have to go do this? I'd much rather be in English class. But there's a lot of people who want to do something that's hands-on and they feel ignored by right. the traditional education. Especially sector. if you're, th- you're sitting there thinking, like, I'm never going to go to college. Exactly. So what is the point of this? How is this actually going to, like, help my life? Period. Exactly. It was so funny. I was in Nashville for uh, a meeting on some of this a few weeks ago, and I was there with a couple of my coworkers. And <laughs> we were at this bar, and there was this, like, group of people that, were chatting with us and my one coworker who runs a lot of our apprenticeship work just like, uh-huh. went up to this guy and they were talking and it turned out this guy like ran a factory floor <laughs> and my drunk coworker goes have you heard about apprenticeship programs <laughs> i was like oh god <laughs> they had this That's long amazing. conversation about like the opportunities in illinois for apprenticeship that is was, amazing there's all this going on and i kind of try to tread the line between like yay it's really good to put funding into these programs and support community colleges without taking away from the value of a four-year degree. What I believe in is like every pathway that people want to follow to get a job where they can afford to support their family and themselves like is what's needed. So anyways, um, before we, I just like threw like a lot of like jargony shit at you and there's a lot more that I could talk about, but I want to talk about like our actual experiences, but first wine, 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 um, which by the way, Jared judged us a little bit because it is currently, well, it's 11 now, but it was 10 when we... It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Literally, it is. Let's see. She's counting to figure out where. It's like uh, in Europe. Yeah, I was going to say maybe London. I guess it's whatever is past London and Paris. Yeah. It's Paris at our... Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Paris. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our first wine is is cheap on purpose. So what I wanted to do here was... You know, a lot of what we talk about with jobs and stuff, like a lot of people who are in our boat are experiencing the fact that wages are just not growing. Uh They're not. Like, especially for people who are in, like, the types of fields that we are in and our friends are in. So I was like, let's get some cheap-ass wine, Um, at least for the first wine of the day, just to be like, you know, this is solidarity. It's a value play. Solidarity. So (laughs) we have a Behringer. Um, so so, apparently solid. It was, a, it was apparently a 12-time top 100 winery of the year. Yeah, I mean, experience. I feel like... They, it's not Yellowtail. It's not Yellowtail. Hashtag not Yellowtail. You're welcome, also. Um, I we, picked up the wine, so I was like, do I get Yellowtail? I'm really glad Do you, I get Barefoot? And then I was like, I can't do that. I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> um, so she picked out a Pinot Grigio, which, good choice. Um, and, oh, the description on the back. Find Behringer Main and Vine at the end of Main Street, where the shops slowly fade into vineyards and wine country begins. No, that is not where you find it. You find it at the absolute bottom of the shelf in Target. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Okay. I've discovered the flaw in my adult sippy cup is that I can't smell the wine, so I'm going to have to de-lid it. That's okay. The wine doesn't smell like anything. (laughs) It just smells like water. It smells like water with, like, a weird... It's not like the it's not like the stuff that we got out of like the box. Okay. It's weirdly like, it. like I don't like it. It's acidic. 
It's like acidic and then like also sweet, but like not together. No, the yeah, no, the acidic hit first and then the sweet and then the acidic again. It's very strange. I hate this. It's, <laughs> it's pretty terribly awful. <laughs> I'm glad I poured little little, little baby cups. Yeah. This is pretty horrendous. I'm giving this a one. I can't remember what I got. Whatever I give the box wine. I think I you gave, gave it half a, a quart. Five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with half a quart. Well, I'll give this, I'm yeah, this one solid the- half a cork. Say the box wine I like actually couldn't drink. I haven't decided if I can't drink this or not. This it's is why awful. we need to have good wage growth in the United States of America. So there you don't go. don't have to drink this shit. It's horrible. Don't do it. Behringer, no. We're literally pouring out wine. This is actually like a first for me. I don't do this ever. But I've decided it is that a I first, need, but it's I warranted. I need to have higher standards in all aspects of my life, including what I drink. Um, that was horrifying. Okay, so the reason why I wanted to like set the stage when we had that com- when I started this conversation, and like I'm so sorry if I bored all of our listeners with that. Um, I don't think you bored anybody. Oh my gosh, good. I'm, I hope not. Um, is that we've all had experience of like going through the system and learning. Like, finding a job, getting our training, doing all the things that we need to do. Um, And so now that I'm, like, studying it from the other side, it's really interesting to think about the fact that there are, like, all these other opportunities that people are getting now, and we may have had when I was in high school and I just didn't know about it, Mm -hmm. to, like, learn about what it means to, like, have a job, like, what's what's available, things like that. So I wanted to ask you some questions, Sarah. I'm going to start with asking you some questions. Let's pretend this is, like, a job interview. Sure. Sarah. (laughs) Yes, Dana. So how did you get into, like, your field that you're in now? Like, were you trained for what you're doing now, or was it something you kind of fell into? Because I think, and this is my theory, a lot of millennials, especially those of us with, like, a four-year degree or more, Uh tend to have just kind of fallen into what it is that we do now. And we can love it, but we've all had this weird, untrained way of getting there. So I wondered if that was, like, your experience. Yeah, no. um, I have such an interesting background, or at least interesting is Sarah's fascinating I'm just like the most interesting person (laughs) in the world um yeah so I got my degree in international studies thinking that I wanted to go into like development or whatever or like nonprofits or something like that um my focus was in uh south and east asia Mm -hmm. and so like I did my study abroad and I got involved in an organization that, uh, interestingly enough, does a lot of, like, professional skills development. Okay. Um, so it's an organization called ISEC. And they are, like, student and recent graduate run organization. Because I found when I was studying, like, the topics were really interesting. Um, and my degree, if you're not familiar, is, like, is a multidisciplinary degree, mm-hmm. right? So it pulled from anthropology, ec- economics, history, Religion. geography, and political science did you say political science there we go um yeah so and then i also like took a lot of courses in religion because i found that to be like kind of that one aspect that we didn't touch on um so it like really trained me in a in a lot of ways to think about problems from multiple angles to like Mm -hmm. really look at stuff um and try and see the multidisciplinary multifaceted issue and like potential solutions to that issue so I had a lot of friends that were just anthropology majors or just political science majors, and you get a lot of really deep analytical skills with that, but you don't gain the practical um, kind of way of stepping back from that and looking at the bigger picture and saying, hmm, maybe the political piece of this is really important, or maybe the, like, long-term 
anthropological trends here are really interesting and meaningful, but how does that relate to the geography of this place, both the political geography and the physical geography, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's super interesting. It was really, it was a very interesting degree. And there were a lot of practical pieces of it, but it never tells you like, how do you get from degree to job? Yeah, like like, that is not something that people talk about. Right. Yeah. No, not at all. And so that was where I found this organization, ISEC, to be super helpful because it was, um, it trained you to to cold call to like build business relationships to because it was all about it's all about internships right so it's about right setting up internships to bring people to this country and to send them abroad at whatever country you're in because it's in 113 countries and territories at least it was when I was and I think it's maybe 120 now wow but that's crazy it's cr- yeah and so yeah. you have stu- actual students taking the time to reach out to local businesses to say, you know, what kind of needs would you have where we can bring people in to fill this role? Mm -hmm. Um, And I could tell like a bajillion stories, but I think the most American focused, interesting story, like to illustrate what this whole thing did was the Salam program. So the ISEC United States was like granted money from the state department to help create internships specifically between the U.S. and Middle Eastern countries to facilitate a lot of, like, cross-cultural experiences. So, like, people from Jordan and people from um, – there were a lot in, like, Oman and, like, all these places. So I knew people that went on the salon program so they, um, to, like, subsidize their experience. And I met a lot of people from, like, Morocco or wherever that came over here and, like, worked – for a company in Detroit or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really good. But that, I think, gave, like, some foundational, like, actual business skills of, like, what do you actually do? So I That's interesting. Yeah. I thought it was was really – it kind of bridged – I organically bridged that gap between skills development and academic background. You actually actively supplemented, like, what you were learning. And that's – Which I don't think most people do. Most people come out of school and they – hopefully get a job and like you and I came out of school like at a really terrible moment we economically did. yeah um so I think it's a lot easier today not that it's easy to find a job but it's a lot easier than it was it is it yeah. is yeah so, especially if you take the time to like do those those things to get you some extra skills which yeah I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that later but yeah, yeah. that's really interesting so um, to like summarize how I went from like all that to where I am today yeah in like the shortest possible stare away which is not really that easy um so i went and worked for that organization in mongolia for Mm -hmm. about nine months building internships sending people abroad all that good stuff and then came back finished my degree went and actually worked in human resources for a retailer which Mm -hmm. wasn't something that like i had a lot of background in but it really gave me a sense of like it was a retailer too so really seeing like a lot of economic forces and how they play, played out, but giving me a lot of like skills in terms of. But that was like a job that I fell into. I was about to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah Cause yeah. I came back and then I was like, Oh, I need money. So yeah. I got a job literally working like on the sales for folding clothes. And very quickly there was an opening in, in the HR department and they're like, Hey, you seem like you could do this job. So I said, sure. And so it just happened like it was happenstance. And so yeah. I was there for a couple of years. And then I um, came down to DC and just needed, I had been just like randomly applying to things and ended up getting a role as an admin for a legal recruiting firm. And then that, um, again, by happenstance, just I think right place, right time. Um, they were like 
expanding into a whole other non-recruiting line of work, um, yeah. like consulting or on technology. And I just happened to know the guy that was running that. And he was like, oh, do you want to like come on as our analyst? So I think, okay, um, which was really great. It was <laughs> a great awesome. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, just happenstance. Um, and then when I decided that uh, it was time to kind of move on from mm-hmm. that, I thought, went back to your original question of like how – how did you get into where you are today and thinking a lot back to like, well, why did I come to DC in the first place? And that was to make some kind of difference in the world. Why did I get the degree I got in the first place and devote all that time to ISEC? Yeah. Cause I care about the bigger picture. Um, and then did a lot of research and, um, looked at a lot of what was out there that took all these random experiences that I yeah. had. Cause it's like kind of a hodgepodge. And again, I had, I had a friend who bless her freaking heart, um, challenged me and said, look, I know you need, I know you, you want to get a new job. If you apply to three jobs a day for a month, I will take you out to a really nice dinner of your choosing. I love if, that. Which I was that like, that's a really cool it was so it. cool. And I yeah. apparently respond really well to, to outside. Well, <laughs> Cause I respond super well to food too. And people are like, I will give you nice food if you do that. And you're like, like, okay. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, I know I, I respond better to like other people's deadlines. Like yeah. I'm very deadline driven if it's a deadline that I can't just move around in my own I'm leisure. Because then I feel like I'm letting someone else down and that's a hard thing to right. do. Right. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I met her deadline and in the process found the current job I have, which required like some HR background and some nonprofit yeah, background. It was and like it like perfect for you. Yeah. It really and I'm was. so happy with it. And like the, the organization I work for is incredible. Yeah. Like I I could literally go on for a hundred million years about how much I love what I'm doing now, but it, it really like the whole trajectory. And then the fact that they needed this like kind of strange unicorn type and not to call myself a unicorn, no, but, but like they needed some really, diverse really specific, yeah. interesting background. Yeah. And like part of what I do is work with people in remote offices, so, like having some international experience was helpful too. So like it all just kind of came together yeah. Um, and I just found that on LinkedIn, like to be totally That's honest, I found my job too was on LinkedIn. It's so funny how that works. And like people are like, you have to network. And I think you do have to network because I got some really good interviewing opportunities other places through networking, but you also can just use LinkedIn. Yeah. Dude, LinkedIn's the one that got me like my best experiences. I think I asked that question because I also have, thank you, like a pretty crazy hodgepodge background. Y'all know I, I studied in, I studied business and undergrad. And so a lot yeah. of the people that I was in business school with, like they have a very, you know, well-defined pathway to their careers. Like one of my best friends is in supply chain management or she majored in supply chain management. She does logistics now. Like it's a yep. logical stepping stone. Um, I have a couple of friends that did advertising. They do advertising now, yeah. logical stepping stone. I realized pretty quickly that I did not want to actually be in the business world for the same reasons that you, yeah. you know, wanted to do the work you did with ISAC. Um, not to mention the fact that I was interviewing for like crazy weird jobs, like like I told you, bacon salesman. Yeah, I interviewed for a marketing job at Abercrombie and Fitch. No, can you picture? It me? just doesn't. It doesn't seem like. I think that there are people that are really good and really passionate about those types of corporate roles. Mm-hmm. And to be super frank, like, I loved a lot of the stuff that I did when I was the anal- an analyst and doing, yeah. like, pseudo-consulting work for, like, our clients were mainly, like, pharma. And, like, it- there were people who were really happy, like, coming yeah. in and, like, really executing super well on And all absolutely these no shade to those people. That's no, awesome. No, no. That is awesome. 
But like, I think it's important. But I can't imagine you no. doing marketing for Abercrombie and Fitch. Like, it's just so nice. They made me buy um, an Abercrombie and Fitch outfit to wear to no. the interview for no, corporate. No, 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 no. Yeah, they um, yeah, they didn't like me very much. Uh, but that that's fine. Sometimes it's better to inter- like to get denied something that's not a good fit. Yeah. So I ended up actually taking an unpaid internship right out of um, undergrad, which like. I am so blessed that I was able to do that and that my parents were mm-hmm. willing to like support me a little longer than they initially anticipated um, because they knew that an unpaid internship was was the right step. It brought me to D.C. I was working for the Canadian Embassy doing international business work, um, okay. which was incredibly cool because I, I majored in – I double majored in international business and marketing. Uh-huh. And international business was always a little bit more interesting to me because of mm-hmm. all of those global pieces. Yeah. Now I work completely in domestic policy, so it's amazing how things change. But, but it's like, still, like, complicated – like, especially with yeah. your work now where you're dealing with, like, state and local and federal – like, stuff yeah. at multiple levels. Yeah. Like, it's all those moving parts. Yeah, it is. Um, But it was funny because uh, I – decided I needed to go to grad school and by I decided I mean my parents were like you should go to grad school and I was like well because I was then working for a company where I was making like 30k a year in DC doing um like admin work uh and I was like this isn't what I want to do nor can you really afford to live here I couldn't yeah Yeah. no my parents were still subsidizing my studio apartment like it was awful um and so I was like thinking about it and I did not know that an MPA was a degree when I graduated from undergrad yeah my advisor which we had required advising appointments in in the business school and we had required like employer like they did a really good job with employer engagement stuff there but it was uh-huh. all very specific to the companies that help support the university of illinois oh. yeah like deloitte paid for the auditorium where i had my accounting classes so we had sent a lot of people to deloitte uh-huh things like that so i, I had to actually do the research myself and i found out that an mpa was a thing and i was just like shit i don't know how to apply for this i don't know what this mm-hmm. is um and luckily enough, I got into Cornell's program. I changed my concentration at Cornell three times hmm. from international to um, – I did international development when I started. Realized quickly that I didn't want to do that because I – It's hard work. It's very hard work. Um, I didn't speak the right well, – I guess I speak French, which is kind of one of the right languages, but I didn't really want to go work in a different country that far away from my family. Yeah. Um, so then I switched to government and policy, and then I just started taking random classes, and my advisor was like – all right, we're going to let you graduate with a nonprofit management degree. Just like, <laughs> figure your shit out. Um, and I interned and I did all these things. And like, I graduated and I was like, the fuck do I do now? Right. So then I ended up like being unemployed and I found the first job I could, which was being a research analyst for a corporate real estate company. Yeah. Um, because I had like the analytical skills, but I was like, well, this is useless and I'm not doing anything. Right. So then I kind of like what you did in undergrad, I started volunteering because I was like, I need to do something that makes me feel like I'm giving back. Right. So I volunteered at that nonprofit I ended up working at. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know workforce development really. I didn't know much about it, but they were like, this is about helping people get connected to economic opportunity. And I was like, well, I have a business degree. I know how to talk corporate. Yeah. I was like, if you, they wanted me to be able to go and sit in the room with corporate partners and explain to them why they should invest in programs in mm-hmm. partnership with that GED program. And I was like, that I know how to do. Yeah. Because I can talk profits. Which is so interesting that like, and I, because I don't think either of us is unique where no. there is an, like a, like a chasm between you finishing a degree that you're not, there's not like a very specific linear, mm-hmm. like next step. Like yeah. you don't, gra- you graduate law school, 
you get a job as a lawyer generally. Yeah. You graduate, you know, with your accounting degree, you become a CPA, you take that really annoying, terribly <laughs> hard exam, yes. but then you become a CPA. Like, if you're do, and then there's all these like niche, interesting, diverse career opportunities out there. And I just think back, like, when I was in middle school, they made us take these, like, stupid tests where it's like, what are you going to be? Yeah, I took that. And it's like, are you going to be an archaeologist? Are you going to be – and you're like, this is – when you think back to, like, the kinds of things that even came back, yeah, it was absolutely useless, had no mapping onto the real world. And that carried through all the way through the end of our educational experiences when they're supposed to be career services that help broaden what you think of, not just funnel you. And no, not to knock on Deloitte because it's a great company, but like if they're just funneling business students into a major consulting firm, like that's not broadening people's horizons. Um, When I took that middle school test, I got actress. (laughs) Actress. I actually was going to ask you about um, my next question was, what do you wish you knew? And it sounds like you kind of... We kind of are touching on that yeah. now. Like, Should I get the other wine while you? Uh, yes. Get the other wine while we chat. Um, while I go into, um, while I go back into Wonkland for just a couple minutes. But something I work a lot on is something called career exploration, where we're actually, states are actually implementing like requirements in middle school and above to actually have real like substantive partnerships with local businesses where they like take people and where they like take people to um, local factories or they do like, oh my God, like Louisiana does this super sick um, virtual one where they actually like pipe in companies virtually to classrooms in rural Louisiana and teach mm-hmm. them about opportunities throughout the state. The good thing is, is now we have wine that I think I'm going to like better than the other wine. <laughs> um, Still a value play. Value play, but also the name of it's kind of a- appropriate for what we're talking about. It's uh, Dark House. Dark House. Oh, my gosh. It's a Dark House. Dark House. Dark Horse Double Down Red Blend. Um, and I think about doubling down doubling down on your job search. Doubling down. Double down. On, like, thinking about what it is that you want to do and what you want to be. And it's a um, blend. Yes, and it's a blend. I'm trying to see what it is. It's, um... Oh my god, the back the back is great. Um, uh, sourced from the best grapes in California and combined with signature innovative winemaking techniques, this red blend is dark and luxurious. That's how I like it. Dark Horse Double Down combines notes of lush blackberry fruit, toasted oak, and warm brown spice, creating a bold and complex wine that is sure to crush expectations. Yeah. Just like you when you're applying for jobs. Pour <laughs> a glass and double down. Love it. All right. Cheers. I'm excited. Cheers. Smells better already than the other one. Cabin Pinot. That's really, really yummy. Mmm, that's better. It's like it's red wine fall in a cup. Yeah, it's like a light. It's a light Cabernet almost. Is how it feels. Um, Yeah, it does have like a bit of a spice to it. It does. It does. This is really good. I taste the brown spice. Yeah, I wish I could see. It doesn't say like what actual uh, what actual grapes are in it, but that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, this is really yummy. Okay, this makes up for the other one. Mm-hmm. I it's like to drink this all the time. It has like a little bit of tannin, a little bit of like a berry note. Yeah, the berry. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's a bit more of a berry than a cherry, but I could be wrong. I would definitely. I would give this three and a half corks. I'm gonna give it three. It's like just because really... there's there's a bit of a a fruitiness to it that I'm not 100 percent sold on. Okay, but I okay. but I still really like it and would drink this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Good pick, yo. I like this. Yeah, Sarah yeah. Dunn killed it with one of her wines. 
the other one was gross. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Yum. So anyways, um, I'm glad to hear that like you and I have had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was leaving my uh, internship in grad school, my, my second internship, my hair uh-huh. flip, um, <laughs> I, uh, my boss was like looking through my resume and she goes, Dana, the most important thing for you to do is be able to tell a story with your resume. And yeah. she's like, and I have no idea what your story is. And that is like playing in the back of my head. Every time I've gone to an interview or created a resume, I'm like, mm-hmm. how do I create a linkage between all of these different pieces? And I think that's something that a lot of people think about when they're like looking at resumes and stuff. Um, so I wanted to spend like the latter half of this uh, episode talking about like how to create opportunities for yourself as a millennial. Because I think that we as millennials got kind of fucked. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, friend, we did. In terms of like, we we obviously don't have the like really clear cut economic opportunities that our parents did. Um, and we're not in this place now where there's a lot more opportunity at a younger age to learn about different skills development. But we basically were told to go get a four-year degree. Yep. Um, or and, and obviously this is not everyone got a four-year degree. And the most important thing I think in when you're talking about jobs is to know that like that's okay. Yeah. Everybody has a different path to a successful career. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to go to college. Not everyone should have to go to college. No. And the fact that that is what we're telling people in the society right now it's is super so, messed up. So messed up. It's awful. And it creates this like group of people who feel like they're like below or separate from college education. Well, and, and that's it, not right. That's not how No, it is. it's not. It's not right at all. And it also really annoys me because I think about all of those like extraordinarily important careers yes. in our country. Like I'm thinking of like nurses and like you were saying with advanced advanced manufacturing mm-hmm. and all sorts of things that like are critical to how our entire society functions. They're highly skilled. Yep. And a lot of them, I feel like you need time on the job to really hone in on being really successful yes. and good at what your what your job. We call is. it OJT on the OJT. job training. Yeah, it's, yes, the OJT. Yeah. It's an important tie. It's important tie into every program that you do. Yeah. Right, and all that stuff is super important. And for some reason, we have this stupid idea in the U.S. that like the only way to be successful is to get a four year degree, which is like the cost is just ballooning so out it's of proportion insane. with like w- what your actual economic opportunities are at the yeah. at the expense of really important work yes. that people could be doing. And they might be so much happier at and we're yes. and it's like we're devaluing all these people that are so skilled and important and critical. Absolutely. In really meaningful careers. And it's not I agree. fair. Yeah, it's not. And we're we're devaluing people who are like intelligent when it comes to making things and you know, doing things in a way that I can't do. Like I yeah. I could never do the work of a welder or the the artistry that goes into building a home or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um I couldn't do the work of a of a licensed nurse practitioner or no. um a, a nurse's assistant who literally goes through and you know, draws blood, you know, you have a certification in phlebotomy, you can do that. And it's important. And I could never do that. So I think that Mm -mm. it's really vital that we stop having this conversation that like, creates a hierarchy of what it means to be a successful person and just be like, anyone who has a job that's contributing to society, or if they can, of course, this is not including people on disability, but if they have the opportunity to do something that they like, that they can earn a family sustaining wage on, like, why the hell are we trying to isolate those people? It's not right. right. And that often leads to us isolating people of color, um, people in rural communities, yeah. our native populations, all of those folks who just are not given the same opportunities or the mm-hmm. same pipeline. Like, 
I'm sure it was the same for you. There was never a moment where parents were like, do you want to go to college? No. And I'm glad that they didn't because I couldn't do any of those other things because I just like can't. such a book nerd that... Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. But, but I, but that didn't necessarily have to be the case. Like I, I just think of like nurses as probably the thing that sticks out to me the most yeah. where I know people that like... You know, they have family members who transitioned into a nursing career later in life or they're – and, like, I do know people who went and got a four-year degree in nursing, which is extraordinarily hard. It's a very – yeah. very valuable. But it's not – or, like, I think of, like, home health Oh, people, my gosh. Home health aides are Like, who go vital. in and they care for these – for, like, generally elderly but yeah. probably disabled people. That's so – like, I think of if, – if I were ever in a position where I would need to hire someone like that, they would be so – important and yeah. loved and like the work that they would be doing is so valued yeah and, and they do the we work. don't ever put it's never like a th- at least in the like common culture yeah the way that like pop culture talks about stuff the assumption is that you don't go down those paths yeah and that's i don't i don't particularly like that no i don't either and you know i I suppose there's a bit of hypocrisy coming from someone who's like... Got a master's from an Ivy League school? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I honestly did not fully grasp this until I started doing direct service work and sitting down with people who were like... I was like trying to get them into these these careers that would allow them to grow and stuff. They're like, Dana, I just want a career where I can afford to to buy my child food. What do I need to do to get that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we need to start with just a basic understanding of what people need and what really drives them to work and be happy because like I want everyone to feel like they're getting something out of the work that they do and in our society we are so trained to just work 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 Mm -hmm. and not think about the happiness that we can derive from that um or that happiness can just be stability mm -hmm. like I think that yeah yeah absolutely is something that I love don't put enough emphasis on um i completely agree it's you don't have to be this hard driving like career focus like climb the ladder no kind of person to get value and happiness out of your job yeah and i i I think a lot about like women um in our in our age group who like some women i think who are like especially our more progressive sisters if you will who like Mm -hmm. think that they have to only care about their job and they're like i know some who are like I do want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I'm afraid that if I say that, then somehow I'll be looked down on because that yeah. I should want to do everything because I should be like Superwoman who can. It's so interesting. And that's not fair. It's also interesting because like you have the gig economy like coming into. Oh my this, gosh, we have a whole own. project on that at my job. Oh really? Yes. Yeah. So cool. Um, but like you have all of these alternative economies and mm-hmm. alternative employment, mm-hmm. and I think I think there's a lot of negative to it in the sense that there's you're capturing people who otherwise would want to be fully employed in a traditional like FTE type of situation. But that's why states are starting to look at portable benefits. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that aside, (laughs) I think that like, it's interesting that you have people who feel uncomfortable articulating something that's not this one trope. Yeah. Even though you have other people like cobbling together freelancing and gig economy stuff that like they can do the thing they're passionate about and still pay their bills which i think is also really could be really cool for a lot of folks also like um, whether it be a man or a woman or um a gender non-conforming person whoever the hell you are if what you want to do with your life is be at home with your family raising kids Mm -hmm. that's okay Mm -hmm. that's okay like it's it's 
you know, we want people to be able to afford that, obviously. And that's that's a tough thing to do in a lot of the cities that we're in. But like, if you can afford it and that's what you want to do, nobody's going to judge you for that. Um, just don't. Well, they shouldn't. I yeah, can't promise. That I thing. yeah, but don't just don't tell other I people wouldn't. that that's what they should do because that's yeah. where it gets annoying. I think it's like mm-hmm. let's just stop telling people what they should do and give them the opportunities to do what they want. Absolutely. Anyways, I want to get into some more like. Um, so one of the things that I did a lot of at my old job was resumes, cover letters, interview tips, stuff like that. I just yeah. want to give a quick overview of some of my mm-hmm. high level tips before yes. we we close out because I like I said I know a lot of people who are looking for jobs and like anyway mm-hmm. I can be helpful. I will try, you know? Yeah. Um, so first up is your resume and your cover letter. The two most dreaded parts, I think, of the uh-huh. job process. You want to make sure that your resume is updated every few months, even if you're consistently working yeah. and you're not looking to leave anytime soon. Um, and the most important thing to remember when you're doing a resume is for each of the bullet points, mm-hmm. it needs to be an actionable skill that you developed, not just a task that you did. Yeah. So for instance, if you... Um, Say, like, I plan a lot of meetings. Um, my bullet point would be developed an agenda for and, uh, you know, plan logistics for probably a meeting of X number of people doing X number of like, – yeah. show meaty skills that you learn. Because and that, also numbers whenever you can. Numbers are vital. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not everything has a number, but mm-hmm. if you can. So one thing that I personally learned, which I thought was really valuable – is that I've worked with a lot of, like, different systems, and some of them are, like, homegrown systems, or maybe they weren't. So, like, one, like, personal example is I used to work with a program called Signavio, which is, like, a business process mapping tool. Okay, cool. Um, which is similar to Visio. Yeah. It's not the same, but it's similar. It does a lot of similar things. And so when I, like, wrote all the skills at the bottom, because, like, you're up against computers in a lot of these situations yes. to like look at the actual things on your resume and just yeah. scan it for you need keywords. To know your keywords. Yeah. I literally put Signavio parentheses like Visio and put all those things that were comparable so that if they had some type of um, computer program that was like filtering out yeah. for specific programs, but the skill and the ability to like use it is basically the same. It at least got you past that into a human to say, oh, like, oh, that's basically like the skill we need. They can pick this up. That's and so, so helpful. I thought that was, and it's not, you're not misleading. You're just saying this program I used is just like this other more yeah. commonly used one that you're probably looking for and had in the job description. That's helpful. And I think on top of that, and this is a little bit later on my list, but um, sorry, <laughs> no, 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 no. That was great. Um, it just ties in directly to what I was going to say. Like if you found like you're really interested in a job that requires you to know something like that, fucking learn how to do it. Yeah. If you haven't learned how to do it through your previous jobs, get online to one of those online programs where you can learn for free. Yeah. Um, and learn how to use tangible programs that will be helpful for whatever mm-hmm. career you want to go into. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what career you want to go into, just do as many professional interviews as you possibly can. Not like being interviewed, but calling people up and talking to them about their job. If you even have an iota of interest in a sector, find someone who works in that sector, take them out for coffee and pick their brain. Mm-hmm. And that'll help you learn, A, if you actually want to do it. Because the mm-hmm. last thing you want to do is make a big change and then realize you hate that too. Mm-hmm. And B, it'll allow you to start to learn what skills you need to develop and then take the time to, to use online training programs or your local community college or even just practicing in your basement, yeah. depending on what it is that you're looking for Absolutely. And, and develop those skills. Um, but that is an awesome pro tip. I like that a lot. Um, your cover letter, 
cover letters suck a big old dick. Um, <laughs> one thing I learned is if you create like a form for it, that's mm-hmm. really good. Again, want to exemplify what skills you learned. So I would yeah. always start with a paragraph that has, I have the three following big skills that I know will be helpful for your company. And those changed for every place I sent a resume to. And then I went into a paragraph about what I had done in my career, highlighting what like more mi- more micro level skills I had done. Mm-hmm. And then I talked about grad school and then finished up with like my, I'm available, call me anytime, please kind yeah. of paragraph. So like really framing it as like skills on skills on skills, not yeah. like, Look at the place I worked, though, because no one gives a shit where you work. No, no one cares. No, they don't. Actually, I took a very different tactic, which I think goes back to something you said earlier about telling your story. Yeah, that's another way. So that was the way that I approached it in my last job search was because I had such a, like, hodgepodgey background. Mm -hmm. And I turned my cover letter into a, I'm really interested in this position. Here's kind of my story and why I think that that story fits well into where you are. And then I didn't have to do a lot of, like, tweaking. It was more about finding the job description and the position that fit my story. Which is how you should think about it. Yeah, I mean, well, I think both, like, either being really skills-heavy and, like, super, like, applicable or trying to explain, like, where you're coming from. They're both, like, good tactics yeah and i like the story angle because it makes you seem like a, per- a person which is always a good thing mm-hmm. um okay so that yeah that's helpful um make sure that you're including on your resume if you have any like side hustles or extra things that you do that are re- relevant obviously like the podcast is not on my resume yeah um but if you're doing volunteer work any of that is super helpful and it gives them something to talk to you about mm-hmm. and also remember that like it's really great to have hobbies and hobbies can actually lead to full-time opportunities mm-hmm. like with my old job Mm-hmm. Like I just found something I was passionate in and it opened up a door to allow me to get a, a job doing that, that allowed yeah. me to find a job that I really enjoy. And so like being open to a lot of different experiences is good. You know, volunteer if you want to volunteer, you know, write that book if you want to write a book, do the things that you yeah. want to do because it'll, it may manifest itself into an opportunity in a way that you didn't expect. Absolutely. Um, and then my last pro tip from a fake pro is when it comes to an interview, just, like, don't over-prepare for it. Yeah, no. I get so, so frustrated when people try to, like, memorize what they're going to say no. or become so obsessed with, like, the, the details. Like, every person that's hired me has told me they've hired me because they felt like they could actually have a conversation with me. Uh-huh. Like, I obviously knew what I was talking about when it came to the job, but they also were like, I want to work with you. Right. So, like, don't freak your brain out too much, really. Like, it's not easy. I'm not saying finding a job is easy. But what I'm saying is, like, just don't freak your fucking brain out too much. You're Agreed. Really fine. I will. One thing I would add is like that something that I I just have internalized at this point, but I learned a, lo- a long time ago was uh, when you are interviewing and they ask you a question to use the star technique. Yeah. So it's situation, task, action, and result. So when you, it gives, at least for me, because I, like you said, like you want to be personable, you want to have at least, even if you've thought through your yeah, examples which you before, should. you want to sound organic, think through. Yeah. but not memorized, yes, right? Exactly. Like thoughtful, but not yeah. like robotic. Really learn about the company and be like, this is what I've done and this is why this is neat. And I can just or talk really to really know this. your, or really like learn the job description. Like even if yeah. you don't want to, even if you don't want to or can't take the time to learn the whole company, at least learn the job that you would be doing. Because that will lead to like, oh, because I've literally wa- run down job descriptions and said, oh, here's a thing that I did that was relevant. Yes. Here's a thing I did that was relevant. Yes. And then that way, when I'm in the interview, I can think, oh, 
I bet they're getting at this part of the job description. And I remember that I did something similar X. And then I can use that star thing to be like, here was the situation I was in, the task I was performing, here are the actions that I took and the result that came of it. That's great. And then you just like do a quick summary at the end. And that way it seems like you have a really thoughtful, professional answer, but you're just telling a story of something you did at one point. It's like... I love it. I think that that's great. Tell a story, guys. Yeah. Tell a motherfucking story. That is my advice. We're all just stories. Isn't that from something? That's from something. I don't know. Maybe it's Star Trek. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I'll get off of my job high horse I will say this was extremely interesting for me to hear good your professional side of things yeah i've just been thinking about it and i was like the amount of people i've talked to who are thinking about jobs i was like this is what i do every day i may as well talk about it in a way that like people who i care about hopefully will hear and i hope it'll be helpful um if you guys have questions like specific questions yeah please feel free to email the email address like this is what i do all day i'm more than happy to respond to questions and you know and and give my my thoughts and feedback on this stuff yeah Uh, I have yeah. to, yeah, I think especially if you're in a situation where you've had more of an organic than a linear yes. kind of approach to your career and you're trying to figure out, like, what the steps could be because there's so many different ways to get to that right spot. Yep. And a lot of it's just exploring your options from what other people have done successfully. Exactly. So hit us up. Yeah. Um, and as always, uh, continue the conversation. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow us to Can't DC. And we'll be excited to connect with you guys next week. Links, if we had any for the wine, will be in the show notes and on our website at www.decantdc.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and to recommend us to your friends. This episode was produced, as always, by the multi-talented Catherine Kamowski. Thanks for listening. Cheers! Cheers!